If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Hey guys, guess what? What's that? It's another amazing episode of Mind Pump. Hooray! So look, in this episode, we talk a lot about fitness stuff, but before we do that, we have fun and we do our introductory conversation. That lasted 39 minutes. Here's what we talked about in the intro. Are you ready for this? First off, I mentioned one of our sponsors, Health IQ, that provides life insurance for fit and healthy people. In other words, if you're fit and healthy, which you probably are because you listen to this podcast, you'll get a better price if you go to Health IQ. Here's what you do. Go to healthiq.com forward slash mind pump and take the Health IQ quiz and get a free quote for life insurance. See if you can beat our score. We all scored almost perf- perfect scores on the key, uh, on that quiz. Easy for me to say. Yeah, yeah. Real, real perfect. <laughs> then we talked about Dana Bailey, Dana Lynn Bailey. She's that fitness influencer, uh, awesome young lady. Anyway, she had some rhabdo from taking a CrossFit class. Almost, uh, she was in the hospital. It was actually kind of bad. Mm. Um, we had some conversations about CrossFit and that part of this episode. If you're a CrossFitter, I don't know if you like that one. Yikes. Then we talked about the podcast I was just on, the Iron Crew podcast. Great podcast. Good friend of mine I grew up with who's the host of that podcast. And uh, we talked about the time that uh, me and his older brother beat up a guy (laughs) who was bullying him. It's a little gangster. Yeah. Then we talked about how Netflix is being sued for $25 million uh, from the what are they the, the make your own adventure storybook yeah, companies choose, choose your own adventure there you go that's crazy Justin talked about tarantulas on a plane that's disgusting we talked Horrific. about the 1.2 billion dollar telemarketing scam in medical industry right now what and then Adam stirs the mastermind pot yet again again and then if we didn't piss you off enough we talk about <laughs> fitness and uh, the first fitness question was hopefully uh, we still have listeners this, this person wants to know how they can build the size of their abs. In order to see them at higher body fat percentages. In other words, if you build your abs, even if you're fatter, they'll be more visible. You build your abs, she will come. Next question uh, For someone who goes from sedentary to wanting to be active, is lifting weights too much to start with? Should they just start with body weight exercises? If you're a beginner, where do you start? Next question Is it a good idea to go from high volume training to low volume training? If so, what are the benefits? And the final question, is it possible to reach a fitness goal while struggling with an eating disorder? And do we think people who've had a history of eating disorders can ever reach a normal weight and mindset towards food and body image? Mm. Also, this month, MAPS split a very high volume, advanced bodybuilder, bikini competitor, physique competitor type program is 50% off. Lots of volume, hard workouts. You're in the gym six days a week, but it's half off. So here's what you do. Go to mapssplit.com, M-A-P-S-S-P-L-I-T.com, and use the code SPLIT50, S-P-L-I-T-5-0 for the discount. If you are not super advanced or you have different goals, you should check out our other MAPS programs. We have a lot of them. You can find all those other programs at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Dude, you know what I really like to talk about, though, Sal? What? Death. Whoa! What the hell's going <laughs> well, on here? I'm just saying, like, not a lot of people talk about it. It's it's sort of the uh, elephant in the hey, room. Speaking of that, I want to I want to share with you guys a little stat that Doug shared with me that I think is very fascinating. You're doing the what's head, that? You're doing the head nod and the blinky thing. That right. means you're about to. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to drop. <laughs> drop some, some, I'm about to drop some knowledge. Don't get too excited. That's I was dropping some crazy shit the other day. Swimmers, okay, have a 28 percent lower risk of early death. 
and a 41% lower risk of disease, heart disease. Oh, wow. Man. Look at you. Yeah. Wow. On top of so, it. So when you go do your health IQ quiz- I am telling them your, I'm a swimmer. You get your life insurance. <laughs> they should praise you for that. Yeah, you got a lot of energy. Yeah. Go go tell them that and be like, hey, look, I'm, I lift weights sometimes. I eat properly. <laughs> I'm a fitness guy. Fuck off guy. And, yeah. no, no, Here no, and no. there. This is the truth. Here and there. And I swim. You're going to get a good price. I think so. You're yeah. going to get a very good price. I got a good community. I eat well. You do, and you have you know, good connections. I got a positive attitude. That's you got right. good connect. I told you I guys about that. I should get rewarded that. for that. I told you guys about that, right? How having bad social networks, like having poor relationships, is worse for your health than smoking. Does Health IQ wow. measure that, though? They don't measure that, do they? Uh, they should. Um, like, do you have friends? Yeah. It's a yeah. part of the God. questionnaire. That's How a many good, followers you have? That's a good question. <laughs> um, that's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> not no, at all. Not, not, that's not a good question. Real human connection. Because they can predict your mortality quite accurately in comparison to other singular things uh, just by looking at your social networks. Now, here's the other thing that I'll, I'll that, that, here's the other question or the other statement that I think Health IQ has right. If you are into fitness, and you are exercising a lot and taking care of yourself in a really good way, the odds are you probably do have better networks. Because a lot of times people who are very into fitness, they tend to work out with other people, yeah. or they go outside, they do it with friends. So this you know, probably probably yeah, true. Yeah, it attracts like-minded people. You find yourself hanging out with more positive group. All these things start to happen Yeah, on, once you make that step. On a very serious note about this company, too, I initially when we signed up with them, I was really curious, like, uh, you know, how are these how are these commercials going to go? And I don't know, like, how our audience will receive it. I actually get a lot of really good feedback about them. So I don't know about you guys, what you guys get DM-wise about Health IQ. Yeah, I've, I've had, had a few people tell me some yeah, good things. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really, I'm, I've actually totally changed my mind. Initially, what I thought when we first signed up, I thought, oh, this is, we're a health and fitness podcast. We're not really into insurance and things yeah. like that. But because of what they're doing and the way they're doing it, I think that we're, that we're getting a lot of positive feedback from them. So it's been cool. Well, what sold me was just nobody else was approaching life insurance with the perspective that fit and healthy people generally obviously live longer and are are lower cost less to insure yeah and so if you pull them together if that's what you work with then that means all the people that you work with you can lower them you can lower the price yeah because well, you, I, yeah i like i like rewarding people that are doing it right too and like and having that mentality versus like just scaring the shit out of everybody that like are doing it wrong and like let's just you know get you to buy it now because like you know you're gonna die yeah exactly well speaking of death did you see the almost near death Dana Bailey? Oh, that, that her her rhabdo experience. That's yeah. right. That that post went uh, hello viral. CrossFit. Yeah, viral. So apparently, what she did is she took. First of all, she's a badass. I, I really enjoy some of the stuff that she says or posts. She's got a, a, a nice presence. Her both her and her husband. A lot of people really like them. Yeah, quite a bit. And uh, she's I heard they're real good people. Yeah, and she's obviously known for being very fit, uh, very competitive. And so she went and took a CrossFit class. And did one of their, you know, CrossFit style workouts, which oftentimes consists of movements put together in a very high intensity fashion for time. So you're doing as many reps as you can for time, or mm -hmm. you're trying to complete a a particular event or you know rep range or whatever, and then you're you're competing with the people around you. Mm -hmm. So you throw someone like her in there who's very competitive, and so she went at she went at it. Yeah. She went crazy. ultra competitive and. Uh, she experienced um, rhabdo. Now, rhabdo, rhabdomyolysis, I think is the full name. Mm -hmm. This is when your body has so much muscle breakdown, which occurs from the stress of intense exercise, that your body's ability to filter the waste products 
from this starts to become overwhelmed and it can actually kill you. In fact, every year there are people that die from too much muscle damage. And in some cases, people will get so bad they'll recover, but they won't recover fully and their body never, their ability to recover from damage. Does it damage your, your uh, liver and your kidneys and Usually kidneys, yeah. sometimes the liver. But it's mm. usually the kidneys because the kidneys are what filter out mm-hmm. um, these waste products. And so she was hospitalized. And what happens when you're hospitalized with this is they put you on lots of fluids and they're trying to get your trying to help your body or assist your body in removing these waste products. So she did a whole post of it, picture of her in the hospital, which I appreciate her, you know, candid honesty about what happened. And so underneath I commented and, you know, stirred the pot. I well, I think <laughs> our I saw him. Well, our, we got tagged to kind of check it out. Oh, we so. got tagged a lot yeah. on that post. Yeah, our our opinion on CrossFit is very very clear. Uh, they've done a lot of phenomenal, incredible, amazing things for the fitness industry. They're this on their own. They've impacted the fitness industry more than anything else that I've seen uh, in my 20 plus years uh, being in this industry. For they, the positive. For the rega- positive. For, in regards to like barbell complex movements and things like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, they single-handedly got people to deadlift and squat. Like no, no, nobody else was doing it. And all of a sudden, people are doing it now. They got bumper plates into gyms. They got women to lift weights uh, far more effectively than other ways of trying to advertise to women or whatever. But their methodology, which is this intensity worshiping kind of methodology and class setting. This is the other problem. You're also doing this in a class and it's intensity based. Things are timed and they're putting exercises that never should be included in fatigue based programming like Olympic lifts, for example. Olympic lifts are extremely complex. If you fatigue with an Olympic lift and your form breaks down a little bit, it goes from safe to dangerous very, very quickly. And so it's that methodology that we have a problem with, our programming, and it promotes the environment that can cause problems like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and well, a lot it's of, just unnecessary. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people defend it because it's fun like a sport, right, when you're going through the process of it. But uh, the, the mislabeling of it, of it being something that's a healthy practice and a fitness practice is something I just have never agreed with. Well, that's the difference is if, if she went down like this from playing basketball, nobody would be, you know, crucifying basketball because it's labeled as a sport and it's treated that you're way. You're competing. Yeah. And you're competing. And we know, we know, and, and most people listening know that sports are not necessarily quote unquote healthy for the body. Right. The problem with the way CrossFit is promoted is promoted as a superior modality of training. That's the that's the problem. It's not promoted, it's not pushed like it's a sport. And most people that sign up for the courses on a day aren't thinking, hey, I want to compete in the sport of CrossFit. They're signing up because they want to get in shape and they want to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line is it's not ideal. No more so than basketball or football or hockey or any other sport would be for getting shape. Does that mean can you get in shape through that? Sure, it's a right. possibility, but it is not the ideal place. And then like you said, Sal, you're putting it in a class setting, mm-hmm. which I, I already have an issue for classes, period. Yeah, like, all, all classes have a major weakness, and one of the major weaknesses yeah. is you cannot individualize the workout for each person. And this is all classes. I don't care what class yeah. it is. You can't individualize it. And so, you know, for example, Orange Theory – took the CrossFit model of intensity and whatever, but they were smart. They, they took all the super hard, complex exercises out because I, I can't imagine teaching – I know what it's like to teach a boot camp class with push-ups and lunges, right. but throw like you know snatches and cleans and fucking swinging pull-ups or whatever well, they call them and 
I want to spend some time with sort of the counter argument, right? Because you got a few comments coming back at you that, I mean, the we haven't really got a lot of people really highly defending uh, CrossFit and the modality in a while, but I, I started to see uh, like a reoccurring theme in terms of, you know, it's the coaching or, you know, uh, what was the other arguments again they're pre- trying to present in terms of it it not being part of their actual structure of, of what was intended. Yeah, you had some really smart coaches that were commenting on there and you know I want to I also want to say there's a lot of very smart good uh, CrossFit coaches out there or, or coaches who work under that CrossFit umbrella and so they were saying look it's all about the coach because the comment that I said was you know the model of CrossFit the methodology promotes this uh, go hard at all cost mentality or at least it's this environment that's primed to uh, to grow that mentality or to promote that mentality and that's why you, you see problems like this. And so people were saying, no, it's all about the coaches. There's good coaches out there. They have to individualize it. They scale it for the different person. And I said, absolutely. Individual- yeah. There's nothing we better. agree with that. Yeah, there's nothing better than individualization. If you can do something individualized for your body, that's going to be the superior way to work out. But my argument to them was the more you individualize it, mm-hmm. the less it's CrossFit. The right. more you move away from the methodology – the less it's CrossFit and the more it's just you coaching someone. Yeah, you coaching somebody on their individual basis and providing functional exercises and uh, a, a quality uh, program that's that's very much tailored to them, which it's not CrossFit. Right. Let, let, let's, let's just bring it down to the brass tacks. Right. Right. Now you're talking about something that isn't CrossFit, so that's our argument. Right, so my, 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 my question is what is what makes a workout CrossFit? What makes because they're all exercises like bodybuilding includes squats, powerlifting includes squats, Olympic weightlifting includes squats. But I can tell you specifically what makes powerlifting workout a powerlifting workout. I can tell you specifically what makes an Olympic workout an Olympic workout. So what makes a CrossFit workout a CrossFit workout? It's timed. It's the it's the yep. it's the times part. It's the it's the the class setting. It's the way that they program their workouts, and that's what I have. That's the issue that I have. That's what makes it a sport and makes it a bad workout. Now, if you individualize it and you take it out, and you're a good coach and you own a box and you say, "Okay, that's just personal training." Yeah, this exactly. This yeah. is you know, I'm not. Oh, I know what the wad is, but this is not good for most people. I'm going to individualize it. You're not doing CrossFit anymore, which is great. There's nothing. That's fine. Yeah. My argument we is applaud that. My argument has always been on the programming methodology under the umbrella brand of CrossFit, which is not ideal and it does it is an environment that is prime for this the the kind of attitudes that increase things like risk of injury overtraining and just over application of intensity intensity tends to be worshiped uh with the methodology and with that environment and we know how easy intensity can be overdone even someone like Dana who is a for all intents and purposes oh. more fit a pro seasoned athlete. Yeah, this she's more fit than ninety nine point nine percent of the world. Okay, she's a she's a point one percent of the world female. Okay, bottom line, you put her in any crowd, she'll probably be the fittest person in that crowd. You know, again, by far ninety nine percent of the time, she takes a regular CrossFit class. She takes a class. I mean, it's an intense one, but nonetheless, it's a CrossFit course. She's already competitive. She's in that environment of competitiveness. It's being timed, so she wants to beat people. She puts herself in a situation where she needs to be hospitalized. Now, you tell me the average, 
you know, type A personality who's out of shape, like your lawyer, your doctor, your your executive, goes and takes a CrossFit class, is thrown into this environment, doesn't sound like a recipe for success. Well, what type of people are attracted to these workouts too? It's again, we talk about this all the time that the, the person that typically likes that has the competitive mindset, likes the intensity, and more often than not, it's the things that you the things you should be doing are the things that you're you're probably not most attracted to. I think that's the part that everybody keeps missing about this whole argument that we make. It's like that's exactly what happens when you get somebody who has that mentality going into that training mm-hmm. is it's a recipe for disaster. And it was funny because she mentions in the story how many people DM'd her afterwards saying that they've experienced the same thing too, but didn't want to say anything. Mm. It's like, it's so funny how we, uh, the defense that you keep having all these coaches in CrossFit, oh, it's the bad coach, oh, it's bad this, there's bad coaches, there's bad trainers out there, there's bad everything. It's it's not just yeah, that. Yeah, when are you just going to recognize it for what it is? Yeah. Like, I'm just waiting yeah. for that, like, aha moment to finally hit these people in the head. Yeah, and to be clear, the, the coaches make a huge difference. Of course they do, but at the end of the day, there is a structure and methodology that is called CrossFit. So it's no different than... You know, you take 100 people and you have them go do boxing, real boxing, not like the the cardio boxing classes, but they're actually learning how to box. And there's going to be a a larger percentage of those people who are going to get black eyes and broken noses versus people who do something else, another kind of methodology. Mm. Now, is it wrong for me to say, hey, if you go do boxing for fitness, like real boxing, the odds that you're going to get your face bruised or whatever are higher than if you do another class? Of course not. And does the coach make a big difference? Of course, because a good boxing coach will try to scale it a certain way, make sure people only box. But at the end of the day, the odds of getting punched in the face are high. Yeah, they've gone up. With boxing. So it's the methodology that's the problem. Um, It's that attitude that's the problem. And if it was, again, if it was completely advertised and promoted as a sport, hey, come take the sport, I would have no issue. It's Mm -hmm. It's the whole like, hey, it's a workout. Hey, mom and dad, and you know Susie, Jew, and you know Joe, and whatever, come work out in our classes. This is a great way to work out. That's when I have my problem. Well, you know, and, my if, and if you've ever gone to a CrossFit class, it looks just as just like a gym would, as far as the people that are in it. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know, it looks no different. You look at all these average-looking bodies, average levels of of people that are in here training these highly technical movements that just just doesn't belong and intensity and time based all things that I would never teach Olympic li- movements to somebody at that level. There's, I, I don't know how never I don't, put put them under time. I don't know many people I would teach an Olympic lift. To, no, you know, yeah. so. even athletes. I'm like I'm very you know like I, I screen them for a long time to make sure like they can handle that type of a, a you know a, a lift because it's so complex. When you get coached on Olympic lifting like in, by like a, a real Olympic lifting coach, somebody mm-hmm. who actually coaches this. Do you know what they start you off with? A broomstick. broomstick yeah. You're doing your lifts with the broomstick. Do you know how long it takes before you're actually like training with a decent amount of load in Olympic lifts? A fucking long time. And it's a long time of practicing the skill. You're not even working out. You're not even yeah. in there working out with the with the coach. You're just skill, 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 skill. It takes a long time before they're like, okay, cool. Now let's push the intensity a little bit. And that's because of all the exercises you could do with a barbell – they're, they are by far the most complex. And what I mean by that is deadlifts and squats are complex. Those are very complex exercises. It takes a long time to get a client to be able to do a proper, you know, intense barbell squat and deadlift. 
multiply it times 100, mm-hmm. that's your Olympic lift. It takes that much longer and that much more skill. Well, dude, even just getting back into power cleans, and I used to have like a very clean looking, you know, power clean, and I'm I'm going through the process of it. I'm I'm starting to add load and get to a place where it's like a reasonable amount of weight again, and it's still ugly. Like I'm still going <laughs> through that process of like I this is such a high level skill that you have to sharpen consistently uh you know like all the time and like I have to implement it into my workouts continually so that way you know I am making progress and you lose well, it like almost immediately we we got to shift gears cuz I feel like we, it it starts to sound like yeah. what I can't stand is everybody thinks that it's like a thing that we're hating it's like no yeah. we come we don't come from that like I got lots of friends that own crossfit boxes and are into the and into the sport and love it and like it's not it's not hate but it comes off that way sometimes because we feel like we're ragging on it, but it's like, dude, how many more times do we going to have examples like this to to show people that listen? It's not for most people. That's the fucking statement. I, I was I, I was just all. I was just on a podcast by my buddy who's he's actually a coach, CrossFit coach. He works for uh, uh, Jason Kalipa. Okay. Man, yeah, runs one of his gym. Great guy. Uh, great podcaster. Actually, he's he just started and he's got good flow. Uh, his ability to converse. Oh, that's really right. You're telling me about an old story, dude. So yeah, such a great story. This. So I grew up with this guy. His his older brother Richie and I were like best friends in, in junior high and uh, throughout high school, and then we lost contact after that. But we were good friends growing up. And and his younger brother Danny is the one with the podcast. And I had lost contact with them um, after high school. After high school, I went off and you know I was, was working in fitness and managing gyms, and then. I had a gym down in Palm Springs or Palm Desert area, and then I, you know, whatever, got married, the whole thing. So I just kind of lost contact with everybody. And so about a year and a half ago, uh, he contacts me. He gets a hold of me. Really crazy how he got a hold of me, by the way. So he was on, uh, he was in the dating world, and he was on one of those dating apps. Oh yeah. And so, so he's telling the story on his podcast when he intros our episode, and I didn't know <laughs> this. I'm like, what? So he's swiping right, swiping left, whatever. And he sees a picture of this girl, and this girl is standing, and the way he explained it, she's standing next to like these three kind of jacked-looking dudes or whatever. And so he's looking closer, and he looks over, like two guys over, and he goes, holy shit, that's Sal. What the hell? I grew up with that guy. Like, how does... So he contacts this girl, and he's like, and he's like, it was a great icebreaker, right? Because he wanted a date or two. (laughs) So he goes, how do you know Sal? And she's like, oh my God, I love their podcast, and this and that, and I took a picture of them. So they ended up becoming, you know, friends or whatever. And so he, through her, got back in contact with me. And then I got to see my old my old friend again, which was awesome. And, and here's a, it's a funny story too. Danny got into fitness uh, kind of through me. He was playing football and his brother told him to come to me to teach him how to do certain exercises, get stronger. I took him through some exercises and then he developed a passion uh, for fitness as well, which is, which is kind of cool. cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So anyway, he comes in here, he gets to interview me and we do this great podcast and, you know, he asked me about CrossFit too, because obviously he works for CrossFit. So we had a good discussion there. Um, And then he just released the episode right today. So he sends me a link. He's like, Hey, can you share this in my story and your story? And he goes, and by the way, I tell the story about how you and Richie beat the crap out of that guy who bullied me. So I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the fucking story. I can't believe you told. So I listened to the podcast and it's funny to hear. How old were you guys? Dude, so I'll tell you the story from my perspective. Well, I'll tell you from his perspective. I've never heard this story from his perspective. And this is one of those things that I tried to forget because <laughs> it's a little bit 
Yeah, it's a little fucked up. That's your proudest moment. No, I mean, you know what? Would I do it again? Yes, but definitely not a proud moment. So <laughs> this is years ago. He was probably, let's see, Danny was probably in fourth grade. Richie and I are like in seventh grade, maybe seventh or eighth grade. And we're hanging out at Richie's house and Danny is over his, his other friend's house. And Richie and I were, you know, we used to hang out all the time and figure out what kind of trouble we, should, we can get into. And uh, Danny was at his buddy's house and his buddy's older brother was bullying him, like beating up on him and shit. And he couldn't, it was hard for him to defend himself because this guy was so much older. And his older brother was like in sixth grade or seventh grade. So he's like right around my age. So he's bigger than him, right? So out of desperation, Danny's like, you know, if you don't stop fucking with me, you know, uh, oh no, he said, he said, you should pick on someone your own size, like my brother. And the guy goes, I'll kick your brother's ass too if he was over here right now. So Danny's like, really? So he runs over the phone, calls Richie, and I'm with Richie at the time, and I'll never forget this. I'm hanging out with Richie. We're at his house. Richie gets the phone, and he's in the kitchen, and all I hear is, what? Fuck that. Fuck that. Smashes the phone down. I'm like, what? And he's like, we got to go. Some dude's beating up on my brother. So we get on our bikes. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just picture them just angry, yeah. you know, just pedaling really hard. Just, Dude. <laughs> we, we got on our BMX bikes and we're fucking jiving ja, ja, over there. And we, 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 we're running up to, we're, we're riding up to the house. And apparently this guy was, who was bullying him, was in his house, sees us through his window that we're coming over there. So he runs over. He had a screen door that was at the front door. The screen door was closed, but the front door was open. So he sees us. We jump off our bikes. We're running towards the door. He runs over the door to slam it so he could lock the door. But my buddy Richie got there first. And remember, it was his, his younger brother. So he's, fuck, he's full of rage. He kicks the door. Knocks the dude back on the way down to the ground. Richie, one, two, three, hits him. Kid's on the floor, starts weighing on him. I get on top. We start beating the crap out of this kid. Terrible, terrible story. Hilarious because this kid never bothered Danny again. Danny's like, I'll never forget you guys backing me up like this when I got, but, but this, but yeah, I don't, not what my fondest gr- moment. What to, a great, jump this st- what a great story though. That here he is, what twenty he's the one telling it, twenty something plus yeah. years. And later, the way he tells it too, he's like, yeah. you know, my buddy, my brother Richie was beating him up and Sal stomping on this, and I'm like, oh my god, dude. <laughs> You're like, no, let's omit that part. Yeah, well, we were how old was I? Twelve, thirteen. Yeah, no, yeah. Not that yeah, what are you gonna crazy. do? You know what I mean? But yeah. you know how someone it happens. Someone messes with your family. Oh yeah, you know. Well, like you, you see, see red. To man. your point, you would do it again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Red. Did you guys see uh, Netflix getting sued? It's, a, it's just a drop in the bucket for uh, them. I mean, it's twenty five million dollars. But why I wanted to bring it up is, remember when we just? Uh, it was probably a, a month or two when we were talking about the uh, the, sh- the choose your own adventure show that they did. The band, yes. the band, Bandersnatch. Yeah, Bandersnatch. Oh yeah. yeah, they're getting sued by the uh, choose your own adventure guy. No, no way. Yeah, yeah I did oh, read about hilarious. this. Yeah, so he's suing them because the movie's so dark and and morbid and and bad, and people are connecting it to choose your own adventure, and he says. It puts a, it's giving choose your own adventure books a bad rap. That's stupid. And you so know, it, how is that I guarantee they, I guarantee them. they sold more books because of that because yeah. that show. There's no way. Oh, you think so? I bet you, dude. I forgot all about the choose your own adventure. What do you think I'm going to buy my kids now? Yeah, I grew up with those books. Didn't you guys grow up with those? Books? Yeah, I totally. Did. I, yeah, I didn't forget. Those were those made it. Those are like the first books I ever actually read. Yeah, yeah. the Hardy Boys or whatever yeah. was that choose it? No, that was no, that adventure. was another it was uh, yeah, series. Choose your own adventure and R.L. Stein, Fear Street oh, and Stein. Goosebumps were like oh. books that got me reading as a kid. Do you guys remember My that? Kids are getting into that. Yeah. Right now. Do, do you guys remember that one? Uh, sto- like it was a scary stories. I don't remember the name of it. <clears throat> it. It was a book, but the illustrations were creepy as fuck. 
Do you guys remember that one? It's not like this. It was like black and white, kind of weird illustrations. Looks like like someone's using like this weird ink to draw them. Uh, and there's a story about how, like, uh, I mean, it's it was straight up morbid, creepy stories for kids. Like, weird. The, like like the 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 zombie coming back for his hand or something like that. And oh, like that dark. Yeah, like super I, dark. It's not like like you know uh monsters that are all like I, animal i guarantee looking. you if i google like like popular scary books for kids of the 80s and 90s i guarantee it will pop I'll up i'll have to see what you know speaking of uh scary things dude did you hear about like this uh at customs i guess it was in, from the philippines they found all these tarantulas that uh had been shipped over that were in like cookie canisters and oatmeal canisters that they the opened hell? up and there's all these like little baby tarantulas and then bigger tarantulas that they're trying to smuggle in dude how terrifying would you be you're the you're you know the bag handler and you find like all these fucking spiders wait a minute someone was smuggling tarantulas on a plane yeah oh why, why? yeah why just to sell them it's only it, it was only like two thousand five hundred something dollars worth uh, you know, in that market in terms of like, you know, the uh, exotic animal market. If, if I just feel like smuggling drugs is way easier. You know yeah. what I mean? If yeah, you're the Like one little baggie of cocaine's worth that much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not you to mention, that, dude, those you things, that up your ass, dude. Those things are, 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 are real good at getting, you know, into places. Like yeah. they can get out of things and like make their <laughs> yeah. way into the plane, dude. Red, red, you're that red. asshole. It's yeah. a fucking spider. Yeah. <laughs> and they're venomous too. They weren't like just, you know, like they, they could have done some smuggle damage. spiders? Just don't smuggle spiders and cocaine. That's a bad, yeah, that's a bad combo. Yeah, what happened to Taranti? You got into the blow. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's just crazy and just yeah. jumping everywhere. Hell no. Yeah. What a terrible I oh, guess there's shit. a there's a big black market for um smuggling like animals and shit. There is, yeah. Especially snakes or like uh just lots of the exotic ones like that you can't you can't find in the States. Like there's a whole like black market for that stuff. Yeah, isn't aren't there stories of how people would smuggle like pythons or certain things and then let them go into the wild in a new place of the world? Uh, and then yeah. because they don't have any competition? Yeah, they just yeah, fucking they proliferate. Just take off. There's been a few of those fish. There's like a yeah. Uh, what's that fish? I think it was a Japanese uh, fish that was like um, I forget what it was called, but it, it made its way into the Mississippi River and just took over and just like ate everything. And they can't they can't get rid of it. Yep, yep. Because it just took everything over. What uh, pigs? Uh, pigs in Hawaii, aren't they? Wasn't they like that with mm-hmm. pigs? Where they let the pigs go and they just started overrunning everything. Yep. And because there was no like big natural predators. And so like in Hawaii till this day, I think it's legal for any citizen to just go kill two pigs. A day. I think it's two pigs a day. Yeah, I think. Th- I mean, mainly wow, that much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Australia is very protective of like bringing anything, you know, in there because of that fact. Like you bring one thing in there and it's it, it has the potential to, you know, really ruin the ecosystem. Well, Australia is just full of. Deadly, <laughs> like deadly killer thing. That's the one thing that prevents. Like, I, it gives me like a second thought. I'm like, oh, because yeah. they got some serious they're, spiders. Yeah, they're serious. Bugs, they're bugs and creatures sharks. are crazy over there. Well, yeah. I every time I see a video on YouTube of a spider that's the size of my hand, it's always in Australia. Yeah, it's always there. Yeah, so I'm and always it's like, like, it's like in some toilet, and you're like, no. Yeah, dude. Like, okay, let's be honest now. Like, no, no joking. No tough toughness aside. Let's be let's be straight up now. You go home. And I'm not just for reals. A spider this big, on the wall. Yeah, like do you I've call, seen one like that. Do you call someone? <laughs> what do you do? I, I I remember I stared at it for a good ten minutes. Wait, where where? I told you this story. It was the one I thought it was the, an outlet because I had taken the plates off, 
and it was dark and, and, and my son was actually like real young at the time in a crib. And, uh, I went down there and I saw the wall and then it's just moved. This big black spot big? just moved. It was like, not, not the complete size of my palm, but it was like, uh, basically if, if I take my fingers out, yeah, it would be like that size. Oh yeah. That's big enough to, to yeah, what did baseball you do? size. That's yeah. A baseball big, size. That's big dude. And it just moved, big enough. <laughs> it, it moved slow and I kind of caught my attention and I was like, wait a minute. Because I, there was a few outlets that were, you know, there, and I just thought that's what it was, and then it moved, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Oh I had to, get, I had to kill it. Well, how? Uh, I, I got my guy, I got my son out, <laughs> and I took a big fucking shoe and I just stared at it for a long time, and then just wham, just like with all of my my force, and I only caught part of it, oh, which god. was the worst part, right? So it it basically like flipped off off of the wall, landed on the ground, and then started to scurry at me. And I just like stomped the shit out of it with my feet like a million times and ruined our carpet. Just, I was just, so scared. Just to, just, to just did the river dance right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was just jumping on that motherfucker. That's hilarious. Yeah. Now imagine, have you seen some of the ones that they'll they'll see in like the like Kuwait or whatever the soldiers will send? What do they call them? Like camel. Camel spiders or some shit? Yes. They're fucking massive, dude. They're like that. They look like like lobsters or something. Oh, They're so big. Like what for reals? Dude, How, what do you do? Skin crawl. Oh, it's terrible. What do you yeah. do with that? Yeah, like, I don't know, dude. That's you take a gun and that's when you, shoot it. Yeah, that's when you, 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 you get the kids. Isn't that isn't that weird though? How like 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 a spider like that would freak me out way more than like some like a lion or a tiger or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, is I that like encoded yeah. somewhere deep in I, our for DNA? For me, you know? would, that the spider would get me to scream like a like a girl. Yeah. Like, ah! yeah, you know, yeah, I would do yeah. that. Seeing a but seeing like a lion or a tiger, I mean, you'd be cautious. Oh, but I, I feel like I get more free. Oh my god, those things are. That huge. has to be fake, dude. Is no, that that's that fucking. Real? That's gross. The D- size Doug's of showing some gnarly ones right now. Yeah, dude, that's gross. It's like the size that, of that's his like leg. camel one, right? Yeah, I don't know if it's, that's a myth that they're that big, or but they are pretty good. Oh, oh look at my that guy's god, hand. look at its fangs. Yeah, I don't know about that. What, dude? That's terrible. Yeah, no, I'm cool. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's that like you would like. Yeah, I would see it, and then I'd have to close the door of the room, and I'd be like, "All right, guys, we're moving. We can't like grab your your most." personal belongings <laughs> but don't you think that's weird why are we yeah, so why are we so freaked out by something like that that a bug that you could squash with your leg like it your can foot. kill you in your sleep you know some of them probably now spiders i'm not sure i think spiders part of it's learned if i'm not mistaken like a learned fear uh-huh. but snakes they found there's an inherent fear that we have to snakes and it's probably because snakes killed a lot of humans for a lot of for a long time and so the ones that inherently were scared Tended to survive and then yeah, they pass it on. Yeah. yeah, but spiders, I think, is a learned one because there's not very many spiders you need to be careful for. Right. Mm, you know. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, like brown recluse. Yeah, and but, even, black but even even the ones that you're supposed to be worried about, like you're, they're not much a threat to you. Even right. like if you see them, right? You see them, you're aware. Like you get a big ass welt that hurts and yeah. sucks, but it's not going to kill you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's it's interesting to me. Oh. No, you you brought up like illegal stuff. It reminds me, I read this. I was reading this article this morning. One point two billion dollar scam in the medical industry right now. Did you guys see this? What, what? telemarketing scam? So I got to look it up because I want to make sure I get my facts straight because I thought it was so crazy that somebody was doing this. So it Wait, w- telemarketing works? Yeah. That, that <laughs> in itself. So it was a mind blown over $1.2 billion telemarketing scam in the medical system. So a network of telemarketers in the Philippines and Latin America pitched free orthopedic braces to seniors eligible for Medicare. 
then the doctors would write prescriptions for these braces, whether patients needed them or not. The prescriptions were sold to medical brace manufacturers who shipped the equipment off and billed Medicare anywhere from $500 to $900 per brace. Q kickbacks were almost $300 per Oh, so per- it's an insurance scam. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot of that happens. That yeah. A lot of that kind of stuff happens where you, you have them all. And you see these doctors that are driving around Ferraris and shit because they're <laughs> making so money on scam. Yeah, because the insurance companies just pay. Yeah. It, but you know that when they get caught, they get jailed. Oh, I'm sure. Like Dude, this is deal. what pisses me off the most. Like, like there are so many scams out there, like completely targeted to to older seniors, you know. And it's like, I, I, I do that. That infuriates me because you know how, like, I, I saw this with my grandma too, or she would get like letters and things, and she would like read it and be like, oh wow, and be like, you know, really frightened for certain bills and certain things that are that are happening, and they pray off that to send money towards whoever's like campaigning. Right. And she would literally write these checks, dude, and if, my mom had to stop her from writing you, these checks. If you rip off kids or old people, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, dude. I mean, my, there's it, no, there's a special place yeah, in hell for you. Definitely. There, I, I had a client. <laughs> I had an older client who he came. He was in his seventies, and he came to me. He's like, oh, he goes. uh you know, I, I emailed him something and he didn't respond. I'm like, hey, what did you get my email? He goes, oh, no, the, Microsoft is working on my computer right now. I'm like, Microsoft? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, this guy called me up from Microsoft and said that, you know, my my thing was up and that they needed to get on my computer. So, could, <laughs> so that just sounds, yeah. like, asshole, um, you get you deserve to get robbed. No, come on, man. <laughs> Listen, he gets the, he gives the guy control like, of his. Hey, this is Bill Gates. I just wanted to let you. Know. <laughs> I just want to give you. I just want to let you know you got you got, you got a virus. I wanted to help you out with. Well, dude, the guy got on. You know, I'm good for it, right? He gave the guy he gave the guy access to his desktop. So the guy's in his desktop. Oh no! So I'm like, go back. I'm like, I'm like, change all your passwords. Yeah. Do this, whatever. But the guy had already like taken money and oh my god, yeah, just dude, completely took it over. Yeah, I have another buddy. I think I told this before. Uh, the IRS scam, scam, which is going on right now because of taxes. Yeah, that oh, one's yeah. freaked me out before. I've got that message. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually that's it a, keeps happening. Yeah, it, I still it must get be that successful. Yeah, all around when when this time happens, right when we're around tax season time. Yeah, all of a sudden I'll get some random like either I've seen it come in the mail and I also get a voicemail. Yep. Yes, and during like Christmas shopping time, like I see a lot of like uh, you. Know, these these scams and, and crimes you know happening like online yeah so what they do is they call you and they're like hey you know you're 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 you're, you're you messed up on your taxes or you cheated your taxes or something like that we're gonna do an investigation unless you pay this fine and the reason why it works is because they make it a number that's like well first of all this percentage of people that cheat on their taxes is that's so, why because so you're gonna hot. get the call oh, and you're like, of course and yeah. then you're like oh it's just 250 if i pay that 250 then they're gonna yeah. leave me alone so you mail that 250 yeah. off yeah. you're like yeah. I want to get them off my back. Dude, yeah. I have a buddy who got so conned by them that they actually convinced him to go buy those Visa cards and read them the numbers over the phone so it's wow, untraceable. Yeah. Dude. yeah. And I'm like, dude, did you It's obvious you're the smartest one in your group. Yeah. yeah. After he did <laughs> after he did oh don't dude, he he's so mad about it to this day. He's actually a very smart dude too. He just I think he just got, he just got super he's like book scared. smart. He missed the common sense uh, smart. Uh, I told him like, he like he, overrided his brain. I told him like you smoked too much weed, bro. You were paranoid, weren't you? He's like, Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that'll do it. You get someone super baked. Dude. You could convince them all kinds of That'll shit. Definitely make you think irrationally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go to jail. Anyway. Helicopters. Yeah. Do you see my post? I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to stir the pot with the, uh, 
with the masterminds and the, the oh yeah. yeah it's not it doesn't seem to be trending and getting as much love as my other mm. posts have been <laughs> lately maybe a sore spot a little bit but i re- i i really i really feel this way right now that there when i when i look across especially social media right now there's there's really two kinds of people that are having a lot of success and making a lot of money and the the two types are your traditional business owner who offers a product content or service where the value of the consumer is more than its cost to the business and then the other one are these guys that are selling the dream to people that mm-hmm. they too can be millionaires and to follow this step and the their success resides on you paying that money to do that mm-hmm. right. with all these Big 10x group. It's yeah. That's how they got there is yes. by telling you that you can yes. get there. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Read. It's, it's. It reminds me like, hey, read my new book, How to Become a Millionaire. Yeah. Te- writing a book teaching people how to become yeah. millionaires. I haven't done it yet, but I will once you buy the book. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's it's totally true. It's a bubble. Uh, the social media world is pro. It's perfect for it, right? Because you have all these fake influencers, and what I mean by that is you have half a million followers. So everybody's like, oh. This looks like some authority. This looks right. like the, and uh, it's prime for it. And you, this is going to pop. And when it pops, when all these people start to get backlash, it's going to come down on all influencers. Yeah. All, and it's already starting to happen. Oh and, yeah, they're already looking into that. I mean, you see what's happened after the fire festival and like everything else, all those shenanigans. Like, well, let's let's start to kind of look at you know these influencers and what part they really played in that mm-hmm. so it's a it's, it's a mark- going to keep going down the chain market correction is coming with that and it's going to come down on all influencers so if you're an influencer or you can, you want to be one be authentic have integrity and provide real value and fucking do that right now because when the shit hits the fan um you'll be the you'll be one of the ones that looks okay you'll be one of the few which so would be a good opportunity. Well, you know, and a lot of them defend the ones that, the reason why I'm not getting a lot of love, because I know there's a lot of people that probably follow me, that they monetize this way. This is how they make money. And their mm. argument is, oh, I am pr- providing lots of value to my people. I'm providing all this. The reality of it is, and I've said this before on the show, is that the percentage of people that actually become millionaires, and I think we pulled the stat up, it's like ridiculously low, mm-hmm. extremely low. So mm-hmm. to be to to be feeling getting these kids that are 17 to 25 years old to give you 500 to $1000 a month for your online coaching program to help them build their business and be a millionaire one day is such, is such bullshit. It's like the, the percentage of those people are, is what 1% of them maybe mm-hmm. is going to do it. The other 99% will never see that kind of money before. Well, as we grow, yeah. we continue we'll just share what what's working for us. We're still learning this is a new space for us still even four years into it and we'll keep sharing it for free and telling you what we're doing doesn't mean it's going to work for you but we'll we'll talk about what we're doing and we're not going to charge a dime for it because i think that's silly um but you know truth be told at the at the end of the day when you talk to real self-made millionaires they'll tell you it's not as glam it's not glamorous and there's no secrets yeah it's literally provide something that a lot of people find value in work hard be honest, have good relationships with other successful people. That's it. And it yeah. takes a long time most of the time. It's nothing glad. It's like somebody say, you know what it is? Yeah. It's no different. Continually grow. That's, it's no different than if I were to just do a course on the secrets to fat loss that you don't know. Let me teach you the secrets to getting fit. There are no secrets. It takes hard work. There's definitely a right way to do it, but there's no shortcut. No. It's, it's no different than that. Yeah. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. 
For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from JBOM25. How can I build the size of my abs in order to see them at a higher body fat percentage, 12 versus 9%, for example? Sal mentioned he did this on an earlier podcast. Oh, yeah. I remember this was a, a, a it's funny thinking back to it shouldn't have been a paradigm shattering moment, but it was at the time. Mm. Uh, up, I don't remember how long ago it was. I want to say I was probably in my late 20s, mid to late 20s. And so by this point, I'd already been working out for a long time and I was very well versed in exercise and had been training clients for a long time. And I'd gotten myself pretty lean several times. I think up at this point in my mid to late 20s, I probably had reached, you know, 9% body fat at least a few different times when I would watch my diet and add a little bit of cardio and that kind of stuff. And the thing that used to get me mad about that was I never, even though I would get down to, you know, 9% or so body fat, I would never get that six pack that I would see in some people that, you know, I had a buddy who had the six pack that you could just see when he was relaxed. Like he'd just be chilling, you know, at the beach or whatever, the shirt off and he'd have a six pack. And for me, in order to see my six pack, I'd have to be in the right lighting and really squeeze and flex my abs. When I was relaxed, I was lean. I just didn't have the visible abs. And it used to piss me off. And I used to think, gosh, I have to get shredded in order to really be able to see my abs a lot. And so right around my, my late 20s, I don't remember exactly what article I read, but I read this article about how there's all these myths around building particular body parts. And one of the body parts that there's a lot of myths around is your midsection, your core, your abs, your, and your obliques, and how you need to hit them with high reps because that's how you really get them to look good. And that's what I thought. I always did lots of high rep type of ab stuff. And then it dawned on me like, duh, if I want my abs to really show and stick out, I need to develop them just like any other muscle. And the best way to develop any muscle is to use resistance and train within a rep range of anywhere between six reps to maybe as high as 15 reps. The super high reps just don't build muscle as effectively. And so what I did was I started to train with high resistance type ab exercises. Now I was very careful with my form, but I would do things like weighted Roman chair sit-ups real slow, focusing on lumbar flexion and extension. I would do uh, active planks and really focus on the, the full range of motion. I would do hanging leg raises, but I would do full leg raises where I'd really get that pelvic tilt at the bottom. And literally within months, my abs became bricks and they were visible. And then at 9% body fat, not only were my abs visible when I was relaxed, but you could see my abs through my shirt. Like if I was sitting there with just a shirt on, you could literally see my abs through my shirt. And then when I would get my body fat as high as 11 and 12% body fat, you could still see them. And it was just because they were bigger. That's right. all it was. Right. You know, it really blew my mind. It's really that simple. I mean, it's, I know this is something I'm guilty of not doing. Uh, I've typically just get lean and I get so lean, you'll see your abs, which that'll happen for anybody, right? Everybody has abs. Okay. There's nobody walking on this earth right now that doesn't have abs. Everybody's got them. They're just covered by a layer of body fat. 
and I used to just get shredded to show my abs. And I know that if I would put the time and effort into my abs the same way that I put into most all my other muscle groups, that they would be more pronounced even at a higher body fat. And that's all it is, is very few people don't take the time to program it and, and do that. I mean, that it is one of our programs we don't talk about very often, but your no BS six pack abs is incredible for that. It was one of the first ones you developed with Doug before we even started Mind Pump. Yeah, and, and I know why the, I think I know why the myth around ab and core training exists in the first place. Form is crucial when you work out your midsection, especially your abdominals, because when you're trying to do ab exercises, inevitably what you're trying to do is you're trying to flex your body, right? You're trying to bend your body forward, either by bringing your legs up or bringing your body forward. And so it's really easy for the abs, if they're overwhelmed with resistance, if you don't have good control or strength, for the abs to act as stabilizers, to brace your body, and then for your hip flexors, which for many people, hip flexors are much stronger, to do the exercise. So then your sit-ups and your crunches and your leg raises become hip flexor exercises with the abs being stabilizers. And so I think the reason why people focus on high reps and lightweight is because as soon as they start to go heavy, their form is goes out the window. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. And I think that uh, you know your common... Like your your general gym going person will will think of like doing uh, an abdominal workout, and it's usually based off of just like stabilization type exercises. Or um, there's there was the old adage of um, you know like a power lifters like where you would add a lot of weight, and yes, you're working your abs too, stabilizing all this excess load, and it's protecting you. And um, yes, that that all of that applies, but to be spe to specifically develop the abs will take that kind of attention uh, that you're mentioning, treating it just like any other uh, muscle group that that needs like an actual programming involved, where you do have the frequency of it, but also you have the increase of load and you know you're, you're you're treating it like i'm actually you know I'm, I'm working out i'm using resistance uh applied. well don't you don't you guys remember too a lot of a lot of studies floating around early like years ago about how the different types of fibers in in the abdominals yeah. in comparison to the rest of the muscles and they could high they could handle much more volume and so people took that and they so you do a lot of circuits for your abs you know everyone's doing the 30 bike abs superset it with another ab exercise and so even if you're somebody who actually does train your abs you typically you typically gravitate towards training your abs like this which mm -hmm. it's just like the same thing that we talk about with like when we first address female fitness myths the reason why strength training for women it tends to freaking completely change their bodies mainly because they've been marketed to the other way of you know high reps if you want to tone and firm up high reps high reps high reps mm -hmm. so if you are training you are gravitating towards these 15 to 20 rep ranges and circuits and you know what the best thing for you is probably to strengthen same thing goes for your abs mm -hmm. i think if you're first of all you need to train them if you want to see them more because that's what's going to build them and then if you are training them more than likely, you're ten, you tend to gravitate towards the you know higher rep circuit type of training. Which guess what? What will probably serve you best is to do some heavy loading control type of movements for your abs. You got to have good form though. Like the yeah. two biggest mistakes people make when training their, their their abs in particular, one is they don't understand how to train their abs through a full range of motion. So the abdominals they attach uh, on one side up at the rib cage and at the other side down at the pelvis. So imagine that, right? Your pelvis and your and your rib cage, and when they contract, they bring the pelvis closer to the rib cage. So it's it's really flexing your low back, not your hips. 
Right. So it's not like doing a good morning or doing a stiff legged deadlift. That's your hips. It's at the lower part of the back. That's what the abs contract. So to extend those, it would be like arching your back. Then to contract them, it would be rounding your lower back. And that's a full range of motion. The best way to, d- to, to display that would be a proper physio ball crunch where you're laying over like a Swiss ball or physio ball and you're laying back over the ball. You get that full extension. Then you crunch over the ball and get a full squeeze. That's a full range of motions. That's number one. Number one mistake, people do not do a full range of motion. They tend to do the short, choppy movements where they're trying to do as many reps as they can and just get a burn, mm-hmm. or they bend at the hips where they do leg raises and they're hanging from the bar or whatever, and it's all in the hip flexors. The second mistake is just they don't use resistance. So, And by the way, most of you listening right now won't need to add weight if you do a proper ab exercise. Okay, Most of you guys listening... You know, your abs aren't strong enough to need to use resistance on like a leg raise, like a proper leg raise yeah. with a pelvic tilt at the top. You, if you're strong, you get ten. Well, if you're just really to get strong. them to respond and get that kind of like, uh, like it's a, I don't want to say visceral, but like you feel it more so than you do like uh, just going through the momentum of these exercises. Like yeah. you really have to establish that connection and figure out what that range of motion is, and and then you start applying that. Uh, into your 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 programming with resistance added and weight. Yeah, so like a Roman chair sit-up, I like to make my own. I'll take a bench. I'll put it up near something where I can anchor my feet, and then I'll sit at the edge of the bench. And then what I do is I crunch my body while I'm upright, and then I slowly lean back, and I allow my body to slowly unwind, and then I roll my body back up in the crunch. So think of it that way. Whenever you're doing ab exercise, that you're rolling yourself up rather than just sitting up. Yeah. That'll give you more of that ab activation. Next question is from Chelsea McChio. For someone who goes from a sedentary lifestyle to wanting to be active, is lifting weights right off the bat too much stimulus for the body? Should a person ease into weightlifting with body weight exercises first? This is an interesting question because this could, this could, yes, could be yes, and it could be no, right? It really depends on what you're doing. How, well, yeah, what you're doing and how sedentary of a person am I talking about? Because absolutely, I have trained clients mm. who are morbidly obese, are incredibly sedentary, and uh, working out is like getting up off of a chair, you know, or practicing getting up from the ground. And that is like a full workout. That person, it makes no sense for me to take a barbell and put it on their back and load weight. Yeah. Uh, they have so many other things that we, we can address and work on first, which is so it really depends kind of where you fall in that spectrum of a sedentary lifestyle. Like, are you that deconditioned? If you are, I absolutely think like the Maps Anywhere type of a program or mm-hmm. our Maps Starter would be the most ideal place to start. It depends on the exercise too, because there's some body weight exercises that are way too intense for advanced people. Even I mean, yeah, like a lunge, or, a lunge for somebody who's extremely obese, or and, a push up. Yeah. You know, if I take somebody who's super deconditioned and I want to work their chest and shoulders, they're probably better off laying on a bench and grabbing really light dumbbells than they are doing a push up. Yeah. Just because a push-up requires it's more weight, it requires more stabilization, more control. It all depends on the exercise. And your body doesn't know the difference, by the way. It's all resistance training. So whether you use your body weight or weights, it doesn't really matter. It depends on the intensity is what matters. 
and the kind of exercise you're doing for your body and if it's appropriate. Other than that, I don't yeah, see right. that's that's a good example cuz uh, immediately my brain would would gravitate a little bit more or lean more towards body weight exercises just to try and see the quality of movement that I'm dealing with first and, and see how responsive and control they have over their body to begin with uh before I added, you know, any load to any of the joints, but at the same time, like uh, you can do that with with weight. Like you could you could you could decipher whether or not they have control, like in that kind of a setting, uh, with dumbbells or with a machine. Well, and back to Sal's point, it's so true. You're right. Like it's not as general as saying, yeah, you could potentially just do all body weight stuff because uh, that same person I'm talking about that's morbidly obese is not going to be able to do a pull up. Yeah, right. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But I could do a lap pull down with them. Right. Right. Which be like be, a modified, super regressed version. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we. This is all the things that we took into consideration when we created Map Starter. Map Starter. Yeah. Even like the push ups in there, we teach from off the knees. Mm -hmm. You know, yep. so all the movements in there were really. We first designed what we thought when we looked at the first three programs: anabolic and performance and aesthetic. Kind of like where the general population, you know, somebody who's with a little bit of exercise right, experience, with, working. where they should kind of start. But then after we had finished that, we came back and we built ones that we think like, okay, what about the client who's just either never been to the gym or extremely deconditioned? You know, what would that program look like? Because even anabolic could be too intense for somebody, you know, that I've trained before who is really deconditioned. And that's kind of what Map Starter falls in. In and then on top of that, like. Or if you, or if you're not ready to invest in a program, we this is also why we created the 30 days of uh, free on the YouTube channel. Yep. So on the YouTube channel, if you do uh, Maps 30 Days on YouTube, we created a series that is 30 days long, and every other day is mobility, and the other days are strength training, and we really tried to start you with some really basic and low volume, not a lot of exercise. I was like, I believe there's like three exercises mm -hmm. a day that we basically did to try and ease somebody in. That's a really good place to start for a lot of people, too. It's it's very individual. What is too much for you, maybe too little for someone else, and mm -hmm. so you're going to have to kind of judge it based off of feel, but also err on the say, on the side of easier. So what I mean by that is when you go to the gym, you're like, okay, it's my first time working out. I haven't worked out in a while or maybe never. Um, and you're doing your workout and you're like, okay, I can kind of feel this. I think I can go harder. Don't. Just, just err on the side of easy and give yourself another couple workouts before you start yeah. to challenge it a yeah, little you bit. you can always scale up. Yeah. That's right. Think about being ready for the next day. Now you can do another workout. That's it. And you just keep building on that. And, and, and I've said this so many times, instead of going into the gym and thinking you're going to work out, go in the gym and practice the movements and try and get good at them. That's all. Yeah. So pick three exercises. I really don't care what they are. I don't care even if they're all machines. Pick three exercises and practice them and do them. And like, am I getting good at this? And how's my range of motion? Do I have good control? Let me practice it a few more sets. Let me practice a few more times. Let me. You would be surprised how little you need to get your body to respond when you haven't been working out. You would be absolutely surprised. It took me a long time to learn this as a trainer. I used to take clients and just, you know, my goal was to make them sore for three, four days afterwards. And I didn't realize how bad that was and how, uh, you know, how much I was slowing down their progress. Later on when I learned take it real easy. And the, 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 what I used to love is I would get clients after the first workout, I'd call them the next day. Hey, how do you feel? And they'd be like, um, I, I feel good. I, I kind of feel like I worked out, but I don't really feel sore anywhere. I feel really good. Perfect. That's the perfect amount of intensity. That's exactly where we want to start. If I get, if I called someone, they're like, oh man, I got out of bed today and I could barely you know, move my yeah. arms. They were so sore. It's like, okay, we went too far. I couldn't and, sit on the toilet. Yeah. And you would be surprised at how little it takes to do that. Like I'd get people who'd come in who were just, you know, 
business executives or whatever who are in their 40s who just haven't worked out in 20 years. And I would literally have them do squats off of a bench. They would stand up and sit down with good control. Stand up, sit down. And we'd do like 15 reps, three sets. And they would text me the next day, man, I'm so sore. Like you'd be surprised how little it takes to get your body to change. Next question is from SC Ainsworth. Is it a good idea to go from high volume training to low volume training? Are there benefits to it? Oh, sometimes there is. Absolutely. If you're pushing hard for a long time and your body needs a little bit of a break or you're doing too much, um, going down on volume, you'll start to see progress. Well, this is what people call a deload week. You know, if, And you know this when you start getting the signs of like achy joints, uh, hard plateaus that you can't break through. Even like another good one is if you see yourself get weaker. Like this is this is sometimes common for somebody who's been training. Really, I've this has happened to me many times where I've been balls to the wall for months on months in months out, and I actually have a week where I see myself kind of regress on a lot of movements that I was stronger the previous week. That's always a sign to my to my to me that I've been training too hard or too much, and it's time for me to back off a little bit. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, there's two kinds of people that would, for example, enroll in the MAPS anabolic program. There's people who are have some exercise experience, want to get into a good workout, and they start it. And then there's people who, who message me who are like, hey, man, I've been doing this crazy split. I'm doing all this volume. My body's not responding. I put them on MAPS Anabolic, which is, for those people, less volume, and then they're hitting PRs all of a sudden. That's a good point, yeah. too. And mm-hmm. I, remember, I remember learning this. Uh, it took me actually several times to learn this lesson where I'd be working out like crazy, going nuts, and then I'd go on a vacation or something with my family. And we'd go somewhere for like five days and there was no gym access or anything like that. So I was forced to take five days off. And then I'd go back to the gym and I would be stronger. Yeah. I used to always be like, what the hell? Yeah. How, how am I stronger right now? It was always mind blowing, but yeah. it makes perfect sense. I mean, you're giving your body adequate time to recover and, uh, you know, you get you get to a certain point where like the volume is pretty, pretty high. And it's like, you know, how are you going to maintain that forever? It's it's just inevitable where, you know, if you if you change it up and you, you present something new to the body, even if it's, uh, you know, a dramatic shift of, of volume, it's going to respond, you know, again. And it's going to you can start the process all over. again. And, now, and go ahead. Now, if you're not getting signs of plateau, weight regression, uh, achy joints, do you see a lot of uh, value in decreasing? If volume? they're not progressing anymore, though, right? No, they- no, no, it's not. They don't fall in any of those categories, right? So they're they're still progressing. They have no joint pain. Everything else is fine. Is there like just someone who's like, hey, I've been running a high volume program for a while. I heard on Mind Pump sometimes it's important to deload or drop your volume. Do you see value in that for somebody who's not hitting those signs? Yeah, potentially. Um, think about it this way too: volume and intensity and intensity should be inversely yeah. related. So if your volume is high, intensity is a little lower. If your volume is low, intensity is a little higher. So here's what I do. Oh, so that's a good point. You yes. could reduce you volume, increase intensity. That's what yeah, exactly. that's what I do. Okay. So there's good times point. when, uh, like right now, I'm training a little high volume. So right now I'm doing uh, full body three days a week, and I'm doing about six to eight sets per body part. So do the math. That's like 18 to 20 something sets per week per body part. And what I'm going to do after I'm done with this kind of thing is I'm going to reduce the volume, but I'll increase the intensity. I may go to failure on some of my sets. So rather than doing six to seven or eight sets per workout uh, per body part, I may do like two or three sets to failure, but no, and that's it. Nothing else. Great point. And I'll start to see my body progress because I've increased the intensity and decreased the volume. 
Um, and this is something I learned a long time ago when you know I followed uh, Mike Menser's Heavy Duty, which at the time I was following Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, Encyclopedia Bodybuilding Workout, which was this crazy double split, high volume routine. Then I went to one set to failure per body part, and my body just. It's grew. important too for the average listener that may not understand what volume means. Volume is sets times reps times weight equals total volume of a workout. Just total workload. Yeah. So if you do that, if you that's the formula to get what your volume is in training, and if it's really high, like Sal is saying, there's lots of volume. Reducing it and increasing intensity, yes, there can be benefits to it. Also, if you're doing high volume and you have all these, you're doing a lot and you have these achy joints, you're hitting hard plateaus, you're even potentially regressing in strength and you notice and you see that, this could also be a sign to back off some of the volume. For sure. Next question is from Fitness by Juna. Do you guys think it's possible to reach a fitness goal while struggling with an eating disorder or do you have to address the eating disorder first? Do you think that people who have had a history of eating disorders can ever reach a normal weight and mindset towards food and body image? Well, let's address the first part first. Yep. Yes, I do, because it's uh, and a great example of this. A great example of this is the competitive bodybuilding yeah, world. Right. Uh, I saw more eating disorders in the competitive bodybuilding world than I ever saw in the hundreds of clients that I trained over fifteen years. So it's more rare to not yeah, have it's a disguised as competitive eating. Exactly. So it is. It is actually far more common to see that in that space. And obviously, they're you know winning shows and their bodies look amazing. And we all follow them on Instagram and aspire to be like them. And so yes, you could definitely get your you know quote unquote fitness goal and have a an eating disorder for sure. And I, you know I would actually argue when we see some of these extreme extreme examples of body more often than not, there's probably some sort of a disorder there. I mean, to be so manic about uh, weighing and measuring your food. And this is coming from the guy who was a competitive bodybuilder. So I totally understand this when you are you have a goal that you set for yourself and it's very serious and in, in weighing and measuring. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I encourage that. But I also think it's very healthy to, to, to evolve out of that. This is why and how we wrote the Intuitive Eating Guide is the ultimate destination is not forever the rest of my life I should have to weigh and measure and track and carry my food everywhere I go. The idea is you use something like that to gain the knowledge that you need to have to understand what your body needs nutritionally to both not just be for overall health but also whatever your aesthetic goals may be. But then ultimately is to evolve beyond that to where you don't have to be that neurotic person that does all those things. Yeah, and in first off, I do want to be clear that none of us are experts on eating disorders. We're all trainers, but we do have experience working with people uh, with situations like this. And of course, in fitness, like Adam said, uh, especially at those high levels of body composition changes or you know where people are shredded uh, or shredded all the time. There's definitely some disorder there oftentimes. And you got to think about this way. There's this there's this, uh, you know, reward you get from fitness, but once the stress and work that goes into the fitness is overcomes the actual real rewards, then that means that you're placing it at too high of a priority. And what I mean by that is your priority isn't health and fitness and feeling good. Your priority is looking perfect, which then means your relationships suffer. I know this was me for a while. Like I, I, I my relationships suffered. I couldn't do certain things with friends and family. My life revolved around when I would get my meals and you know when I could get my workout and all that kind of stuff, um, and so it's it's not a really it's not a good place to be. Obviously, now here's the deal: if you're 
When I work with clients that have a history of eating disorders, but first off, I always get a, a, a release that they can work with a trainer. Um, so I get a release from whoever they're working with, their doctor. Um, and then I change the, the focus. So the average person, we may focus on things like losing body fat and changing how we look. The person with the eating disorder, oftentimes I focus on performance with them. I don't want them to look at their body all the time. I don't want them to focus on the scale all the time because that feeds into many times that the, the reasons why they have eating, where they had eating disorders to begin with. So what I'll do is I'll take their focus and I'll say, okay, let's focus on your strength. Let's focus on your mobility. Let's focus on your stamina. Then when they come to the gym, wow, you added five pounds to your squat. Wow, look at your mobility. Oh my gosh, your stamina is so much better. And oftentimes, and I've had this happen too, where they'll take their focus from their eating, place it on performance, get a little neurotic with performance as well. But in my experience, it's a little bit easier to manage than, than the other one. The other one's a little bit more difficult. But if you change the focus to performance and how you feel and how you perform in the gym and you can stop focusing on your aesthetic, that often, in my experience at least, uh, training people, that seems to uh, have helped. I know it did for me. Um, you know, this was when I did jujitsu. Uh, when I did jujitsu, I didn't care as much about how I looked and it allowed me to move away from the, you know, bad relationship with food and exercise just far enough to be able to see it from a distance and be able to recognize it for what it was. And that's what kind of primed me to change, you know, all my behaviors and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, this is a hard one to, to answer without getting like any kind of psychological help, you know, in, in that direction in terms of like, well, what, like the, the value of looking a certain way is, is obviously, you know, the highest of priorities. And that's, you know, where I think like to look like where, where else do you find value? Like where else do you find value in, in your overall health and where, where can we focus our efforts uh, to sort of. Uh, look look at that from a different lens. Yeah, I would agree. So look, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all free. You can also find us all on Instagram. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin, me at Mind Pump Sal, and Adam at Mind Pump Adam. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.